For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Blood Covenant. This is part five of the series. So as a part of the terms of this blood covenant, Abraham has promised a son. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, it is written, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, referring to Eleazar, the steward of his house. But he that shall come forth out of your own bowels, ultimately referring to Isaac, he shall be your heir. So this covenant that Yeshua is making with Abraham is unto Abraham's descendants as well. We see this from Genesis chapter 17 verse 9. And God said to Abraham, You shall keep my covenant therefore you, your seed after you, and your generations. And in this covenant, the blessing that's a part of this covenant is that Abraham's descendants will be like the stars of the sky, meaning there will be too many to humanly number. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it is written, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and number the stars, if you be able to count them. And he said, So shall your seed be. So Abraham believed these promises of the God of Israel. And we're told in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, that Abraham became righteous in the eyes of the God of Israel for believing his promises. And he believed his promises by trust, by faith. So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, he believed in the Lord, or he trusted in the Lord, or he had faith in the Lord, and it was counted unto him for righteousness, or right standing with the God of Israel. So Abraham's right standing with Yeshua at this point was not based upon his works, but was based upon his faith and trust in the promises through the blood covenant relationship. And after the establishment of the blood covenant relationship and Abraham being regarded as righteous by trusting or believing and having faith in the promises that Yeshua made to him, he responded to this covenant relationship by keeping the commandments of Yeshua or following his Torah. We can see this from Genesis chapter 26 verse 5 as it is written. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my Torah. So in addition to being promised a son, Abraham is promised a land. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 18 it is written, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto your seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So not only is Abraham promised a son and a land, but he's promised the future redemption of his children once they ultimately go into captivity. This promise is made in Genesis chapter 15 verses 13 and 14 as it is written. And he said to Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land which is not theirs, and will serve them, go into captivity. 
and will afflict them four hundred years. But that nation whom they will serve will I judge. He's going to redeem his people from captivity. And afterward they will come out with great substance. Furthermore, as a part of the terms of this blood covenant that Yeshua is making with Abraham, Abraham is promised that kings and nations will come from him. Genesis chapter 17 verse 6. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. So because, of course, Abraham is married to his wife Sarah, kings and nations will come from her. We can see this from Genesis chapter 17 verse 16 as it is written. And I will bless her, Sarah, and give you a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her, and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So now since we got the terms and the blessings of this blood covenant, now we're going to cut the blood covenant. And we can see this from Genesis chapter 15 verses 9 and 10 as it is written. And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. So now, once we have the cutting of the covenant and the splitting of the animals, which is going to create a line of blood, now we're going to have the covenant walk of blood. So Yeshua is going to make this covenant walk of blood. And in doing so, he's guaranteeing the fulfillment of this blood covenant. And he's guaranteeing the fulfillment of its terms. So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 12 and verse 17, it is written, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a whore of great darkness fell upon him. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp, this is going to be a reference to Yeshua, passed between those pieces. Now the sign of this blood covenant between Yeshua and Abraham is physical circumcision. We can see this from Genesis chapter 17 verses 10 and 12 as it is written. And this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations. Now as a part of Abraham's test of faithfulness to the covenant. He's going to be asked to offer his son in the land of Moriah which is Jerusalem. So Jerusalem becomes a part of the covenant place. In Genesis chapter 22 verse 2 it is written, And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get you into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a Olah, a burnt offering. So once Abraham and those of Abraham's tent were circumcised as a part of sealing the covenant, the God of Israel is going to appear to him and have a covenant meal with Abraham. We can see this in Genesis chapter 18 verse 1 and verse 8 as it is written. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. So now since the blood covenant is made between Yeshua and Abraham, which is unto his descendants, Abraham is going to be tested in his faithfulness. So the God of Israel was faithful to his promise, gave Abraham a son named Isaac, and when Isaac grew, we see that Abraham was asked by Yeshua to offer Isaac his son as a burnt offering. 
We see this from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, as it is written. And it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham, and said unto him, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get you into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. So Abraham is going to pass the test. He's going to be eager to be obedient. We can see this from Genesis chapter 22, verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Continuing in Genesis chapter 22 verses 9 and 10. And they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hands and took the knife to slay his son. So seeing that Abraham was willing in his heart to be obedient to the instruction of the God of Israel being a blood covenant partner and seeing that as we're told in the book of Hebrews that Abraham determined in his heart that if Isaac his son actually was slain upon that altar that God would raise him from the dead to fulfill his covenant promises to him. So seeing that Abraham is fully faithful in his heart and in his action we see that Yeshua affirms to Abraham by oath that he's going to fulfill the covenant and Abraham and his descendants are going to be blessed. In Genesis chapter 22 verses 16 and 17 it is written, And he said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So the words of Genesis chapter 22 verses 16 and 17, which Yeshua proclaimed and promised to Abraham, is referenced in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 13 and 14 and verse 16 as it is written for when god made promise to abraham because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself saying surely blessing i will bless you and multiplying i will multiply you for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation of the covenant is to them an end of all strife or end of all debate whether the terms of the covenant are going to be kept so let's summarize what we've covered in this section of the teaching number one Adam in Hebrew can be interpreted to mean the blood of God, which means that the God of Israel had a covenant relationship with Adam. Number two, Adam represented all mankind. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin came upon the entire human race. Number three, the marriage between Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden foreshadowed Yeshua's marriage to his covenant family. Number four, the marriage relationship between Adam and Eve in the Garden was a covenant, as in Hebrew, the word woman, Isha, is associated with the word for man, Ish. Number five, the tree of life represented obedience to the God of Israel, or following his Torah, or his instruction. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented disobedience to the instruction of the God of Israel, or disobedience to his Torah. As the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the mixture of good and evil, and in Hebrew, Babel, the basis of the word Babylon, means to mix. Number six, Adam and Eve chose to obey the voice of the serpent. Eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which came by listening to the voice of the serpent, or doing what he said, represented to become one with or to enter into a covenant relationship with the serpent. Number seven, 
Abel offered a blood sacrifice to the God of Israel, and Cain did not. Abel's offering was accepted by the God of Israel, and Cain's was rejected. Number 8. In anger toward the God of Israel for rejecting his offering, Cain killed his brother Abel. And upon further examination, in essence, the blood of Abel was a blood sacrifice to Satan. Number 9. Noah represented all mankind. Noah was told by the God of Israel to build an ark and to bring two of each kind of species into the ark, and seven of each kind of clean animals. Number 10. After it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, the God of Israel promised to never destroy the world again with a flood. The rainbow is a sign of that promise to mankind. Number 11. After the flood was over, Noah built an altar to the God of Israel, and thus offered to him a blood sacrifice. Number 12. After the flood, mankind was permitted to eat meat. The God of Israel also declared capital punishment for shedding innocent blood. Number 13. Yeshua made a blood covenant with Abraham. And as a part of this blood covenant, Abraham was promised a son as well as a land. Number 14. From their blood covenant, the Hebrew letter He, which is a part of yod He vav He, the divine name of the God of Israel, was added to Abram's name. Furthermore, Yeshua took upon himself the name of his covenant partners, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Number 15. Abraham was tested to see if he was willing to offer to the God of Israel his covenant son Isaac as a burnt offering. By passing the test, Abraham was promised further blessings. Number 16. Physical circumcision is a sign of Yeshua's blood covenant with Abraham. Number 17. Abraham believed the promises that Yeshua made to him. As a result, his faith in the promises of Yeshua to him was counted as Abraham's righteousness in the relationship. And after his faith was counted as righteousness, Abraham expressed his faith unto Yeshua, his blood covenant partner, by continuing to obey him or following his Torah or keeping his commandments and his instructions. Number 18. Abraham was asked to offer Isaac in the land of Moriah, which is Jerusalem. And this caused Abraham's covenant partner, Yeshua, to fulfill his part of the covenant that he would die in Jerusalem as well, in giving his life or shedding his blood for the salvation of the world. Whereas Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden brought death unto all mankind. But from Yeshua shedding his blood on the tree in Jerusalem, as a part of blood covenant, he's going to lay down his life and offer eternal life to all those who would receive Yeshua in his shed blood for the forgiveness of their sins, wherein they would enter into a blood covenant or marriage relationship with Yeshua and be able to be his bride and live with him forever in the new Jerusalem. In this section of the teaching, we're going to be sharing with you on two primary topics. Number one, we're going to see that when Yeshua gave the Torah to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, that it was done in the context of a blood covenant. Secondly, we're going to see that the new covenant was also a blood covenant, as this came about through Yeshua shedding his blood when he died on the tree. And he did so primarily to make possible the forgiveness of our sins. We are able to have our sins forgiven by Yeshua when we repent of our sins and accept his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. When we confess and believe that God the Father raised him from the dead and then make a commitment to make him Savior and Lord of our lives. 
So before we get into the details of how the Torah that was given at Mount Sinai was a blood covenant, we first want to understand the background of the events that took place at Mount Sinai. And there's three primary things that we're going to learn. Number one, Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. Number two, when Yeshua gave the Torah to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, he entered into a marriage relationship with them. And number three, all believers in Yeshua as Messiah are commanded to see themselves as if Yeshua brought them out of Egypt, wherein we came to Mount Sinai, where he gave us his Torah. So now let's see how Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 2, it is written, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So in the King James, when we read the angel of the Lord, perhaps this may cause us to think of who we normally regard as being an angel, like Michael or Gabriel. However, the Hebrew word that was translated as angel is the Strong's number 4397 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, and it's the Hebrew word malak. And malak means a messenger or a representative. And so an angel is a messenger of the God of Israel. So in that regard, we can see how the Hebrew word malak was translated as angel. So, an angel is a messenger, but not all messengers are angels. So, we would read this in the Hebrew, And the messenger of the Lord appeared unto Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. We can cross-reference Exodus chapter 3 verse 2 with Acts chapter 7 verse 30 wherein it confirms that it was the messenger of the Lord who appeared unto Moses at the burning bush. So in Acts chapter 7 verse 30 it is written, And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord. Once again, the word angel in Hebrew is malach, which means a messenger. A messenger of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. So if we continue reading about the conversation that the messenger of the Lord is having with Moses, we can see from Exodus chapter 3 verse 4 that the messenger of the Lord is both Yahweh and Elohim. So in Exodus chapter 3 verse 4 it is written, And when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. So the Malach, the messenger of the Lord, in Exodus chapter 3 verse 2, is called Yahweh and Elohim in Exodus chapter 3 verse 4. Next we're going to see that it was the Malach, the messenger of the Lord, translated by the King James as the angel of the Lord in Judges chapter 2 verse 1, that brought his people out of Egypt. In Judges chapter 2 verse 1 it is written, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bohem and said, So once again, the Hebrew word translated as angel is malach, which means a messenger. And pay close attention to what the messenger of Yahweh says about himself. I made you to go up out of Egypt and brought you into the land which I swore unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. 
So the messenger of the Lord in this verse claims that he's the one that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he's the one that swore to your fathers, or in other words, entered into covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was the messenger of the Lord that said, I will never break my covenant with you. So next, we're going to examine in great detail Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, where it says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. So this verse makes four claims of the Lord. And the first that we're going to examine is that he saves us, or he is our savior. So let's cross-reference Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, with other scriptures in the Bible, so that we can understand who is the Lord here that saves us, is our king, is our judge, and is our lawgiver. So we can see from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that Yeshua is our Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it is written, And she shall bring forth a son, referring to Mary, and you will call his name Yeshua, which in Hebrew means salvation. So you shall call his name Yeshua, or salvation, for he shall save his people from their sins. We can see how Yeshua is our Savior from Luke chapter 2, verse 11, as it is written. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Messiah, the Lord. So given that we've just seen that Yeshua is our Savior, that he saves his people from their sins, now if we look at James chapter 4, verse 12, in the first part of the verse, it says, There is one lawgiver who is able to save. So in other words, the one that is able to save, that is Yeshua, as he saves his people from their sins, is also the lawgiver, or gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. So going back to Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, it is written, The Lord is our judge. So is Yeshua our judge? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it is written, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So if we must all stand before the judgment seat of Messiah, Yeshua is our judge. So now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 33 verse 22 and see another thing that is said about the Lord in this verse, and that is that he is our king. So is Yeshua our king? In John chapter 1, verse 49, it is written, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So now we're going to look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, where we can see from this verse, speaking of Yeshua, and he is called in this verse, the Word of God. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, it is written, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So given that the subject here is the Word of God, it goes on to say about the Word of God, that is Yeshua, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So the final thing that we're going to see, and going back to Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, is the one that saves us, the one who was our judge, the one who was our king, is also our lawgiver. So we can furthermore see how Yeshua gave the Torah. Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, the blood covenant. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.
Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.